It's the other three amigos lost Damas podcast with Damien Sheenan, Declan McCormick, and Eileen Ring. Two lads, one lady. This is the other three amigos podcast. Lost Damas. On this week's Toe Tap Last Amas, Decky is hosting again. We have the Academy Roundup, updates on some missing players, we have a Terranure review, we join Shams manager Collie O'Neill on a scouting trip, possible Eurovision entry, a Shams preview, and much, much more. Welcome to you. Welcome to Last Amas, episode 154 of the Other Three Amigos podcast. As you can already guess, Decky, here. Back as host this week again after last week's ultra successful podcast. And to honor the success of that podcast, we've brought John O'Sullivan back for a second week. John, how are you doing? I'm good. Thanks, Declan. Thanks for having me back. <laughs> I was just going to say, glad to be back. Are you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I won't listen to it back anyway, so it's fine. It'd just be me ranting into a microphone and be grand. Okay. And look, can we just clear it up? Are you still editing the women's program for next Saturday? <laughs> Yes, to the best of my knowledge, I am, yeah. At the moment, at the moment. Wait till Sharmac Rovers here this pod, they might be objecting as well, but anyway. And also joined by the lady whose podcast this actually is, and we're just the two fillers that keep things taking over. It's our amiga, Eileen Ring. Eileen, how are you? Hi, lads. I'm good, Decky. How are you both keeping? Can't complain, no. Can't complain. Any news? Anything you want to get off your chest before we start? Do you know what? I'm happy to be here uh, that we can discuss a win. What's rare is wonderful. Very true. Well, look, on that note... Okay, underage, the under-19s beat P-Mount 2-1 away in the quarterfinal of the Cup this afternoon. Two goals from Kaylee Still with two assists from Heidi Mackin. So the girls qualify for the semi-final there. Neve Cotter and Heidi Mackin were both involved in the seniors on Saturday and the under-19s today. I know we spoke about this last week, but again, it's two away trips, two long bus trips. Are we as okay with it this week as we were last week? Yeah. Yeah, look, it probably might be less viable as they go back to school now, but I, I presume at the moment, look, the players themselves are probably happy to be doing it. Um, I think Heidi hasn't seen an awful lot of game time, unfortunately, at senior level this season. Um, but credit to her, look, she's obviously content to go in and just keep putting it in with the under-19s. And like she's going to be a huge player for us going forward. And um, look, the more game time she gets, the better. But yeah, look, I think once they're back into school, maybe two trips to Dublin or two away trips at the weekend probably does have to be looked at but it's kind of it's, it's one of those ones where I'd say you're probably having to hold the girls back because I would think they want to play especially at their own age you know and then they want to travel with the seniors because that's an experience as well so um, it's just something I think probably have to be looked at a bit closer when school kicks in Yeah and the under 17s then beat Queenstown 3-0 at home yesterday Sean Sheen with two and Kiro Driscoll got the other one they're now joined top of the table with Treaty. Um, both sides have five wins and one loss, so 15 points from 18. There's no league game next week. And then they play Treaty on the 16th of September. There was a couple of the under-17s then on the bench for the 19s today, but 
We've already kind of covered that there. And there's three of the Cork City players, um, Claude Fitzgerald, Kira Senna and Kira Fitzpatrick, have been included in the Irish Under-17 squad for the camp in Portugal. John, should there be more than three in your opinion? I think if you look at the squad, to be fair, it's really, really competitive. Um, there's a lot of girls that are playing nineteens, even some senior with other clubs. But yeah, look, I, I kind of, I said last week when I was on that, I think we have the best under nineteen squad in the country, and I believe that, and I do think there's probably a few more that aren't far off. I, I know Zoe Fitterty in particular, that you know they've, you know, she's been up in cabs and stuff like that, and and, and again, she's playing for the nineteens now the last couple of weeks exceptional player so I think she could probably in particular feel her, feel her done by Orange. Just following on from that obviously Kira Senna and Claude Fitzgerald are now part of the first team so the first team are going to be missing those two players while they're away at that, that it's, I think it's a, it's a four tournament sorry four team tournament in Portugal isn't it? It's not often I'd say in the league that a first team squad suffers because of under 17 international call ups but it is the case for us at the moment yeah, I think the rules are you have to have four underage internationals away before a game can be moved, which is kind of excessive. But I think that's that's what currently stands at. Okay, I yeah, and would I mean would we actually want to be moving games because we have players away in under seventeen internationals? Or I think we'd be kind of happy to just continue and play out the games as they come, though, wouldn't we? Yeah, I'm actually not sure if it's. I don't think there's a limit on the under 17s i think it's if you have under 19s away i don't actually think the under 17s comes into it for senior level because i think they're assuming that you're not going to have a senior squad that's going to be heavily reliant on under 17 players i actually i can remember this couple of seasons ago when i was but that might have changed now um but yeah no i think i don't look if you go moving games you're playing midweek games there's we do so much traveling there's i know now our game at this weekend is home but like it's just one of those things. I think you just have to go on and play. And um, unfortunately for us, look, our, our squad is so young that it's something that is going to affect us and could potentially affect us at under-19 levels as well. So, um, yeah, look, it's unfortunate, but at the same time, it's a brilliant opportunity for the girls and an incredible honour every time you're called up by your country and um, fair play to them. And I hope I hope they get on really, really well. don't think Danny would have looked for a game to move anyway. I think we've more than enough cover and in the squad team for, for 217 players as it is. Other off the field news, and this one has annoyed me a little bit and I haven't said anything and I didn't say it last week because I wanted to give it another week to see what was going to happen. But Abby McCarthy left the club during the break. Not a peep from the club. Not, not a word. And as I said, that has annoyed me. Abby was first team goalkeeper for two years, first choice you know, for a good portion of that. Our players don't earn anything. You know, they give everything to the club. They don't get very much back. And I think when somebody goes for any reason, any player goes for any reason, then either the senior squads, there's always a, you know, such and such has left the club, best to look to them going forward, etc. Abby's left because her education is, is taking her abroad and she's going abroad to study. And I just personally felt it was poor form from the club that they haven't acknowledged her leaving and haven't acknowledged her time at the club now i don't know is that just me and the way i look at the world but it's how i see it and i'm interested to hear what your opinions would be on it maybe eileen yeah i think we can be very slow in general to kind of um laud people who have left um for various reasons and we've seen it a bit over the last few years um 
like Anya Donovan from a non-playing point of view, Natalie O'Brien as a player, even Kate as a player, um, really small little posts. And these are players and, and people who have been around the club for years and years. And look, I, I'm not sure, 100% sure, sure of the story with Abby. Like, does she intend, obviously, when she's finished where she is to come back? And maybe, maybe that's the issue. But I do think... Um, there should be a tweet go out because even you're looking at the gate, you're looking at a team sheet and just say you're a, a casual supporter and, and you look at a team sheet and you're just kind of thinking, where's the keeper gone? Um, because it said she's been our number one. She's had um, a really rocky road as well at the club, you know, and it hasn't always been easy for her, but she's always just put the head down and she's always showed up. That's even when like, like Maria came back in last summer and, and took the number one spot off her when she was only going to be there for a couple of weeks. But Abby stayed there and she plowed, plowed away and, like she made such massive improvements in particular. And I think you do have to give an awful lot of credit to, J- to James there because he came in obviously and he's a goalkeeping coach, but that's credit to Abby as well because she worked away there with him. And look, hopefully we'll see her back. But yeah, I think it's something we could do a little bit better is, um, as you said, like these aren't people who are being paid and like it's not just a recent development that people that represent Cork City women's or Cork women, as it were before, are, are generous with their time. They're always brilliant. They're always going out and they're such great ambassadors for the game in Cork and, and for the clubs and the clubs they came from. And like sometimes just a little bit of acknowledgement, I think, goes an awful long way. And it's c- quite obvious at times when, when the acknowledgement isn't made. So, no, I, I'm, I'm kind of with you on that one, Decky. Yeah, it's, as I said, it's just and I, I left it a week just to see whether there would be something come, say, between last Sunday night and tonight, and it hasn't, and it's just... I don't know, John, am I overreacting to something? Like, because I, I often do, you know? Uh, yeah, look, I I don't know what the story is, Um, in the same way as I think was mentioned there, maybe Abby has fans to come back, you know, at, at a certain point, but I do think, well, I, you know, look, she's been brilliant um, for us right through the All-Ireland Cup as well. Really, really good. I mean, some of the some of her performances, even in the game we lost eventually, were were excellent. Um, but I think even from a common sense point of view, to have her, you know, like Eileen said, you're going to see a team sheet printed and people are going to be asking, where's Abby gone? You know, I think that's just something basic and, you know, it's it's easy enough to... And then they're like, somebody it doesn't seem like this. Yeah. That's my dog, I'm afraid, sorry. I think somebody, uh, so, you know, this, it's easy enough to... your dog is mad to know where she's gone, like... Yeah. I'm, <laughs> yeah big fan. Goalkeeper, you your, hear your, your dog is raging over it, like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, look. Speaking of players who haven't been around for a while, um, two names popped into my head during the week. Eileen, maybe you might be able to clear up uh, what's going on. Basically, firstly, Zara Foley. We know Zara's been injured for yeah. a while. Any sign that she might be back before the end of the season? I think Zara's pushing hard to get back, but whether or not she will, obviously, is remains to be seen but I wouldn't think it, it's through lack of effort on, on her part or anything like that um, she's just had such a bad run of injuries for the last couple of years and I think Sarah is someone I, I know I said it to I've said it to you both like if if she didn't have the injury she had like we wouldn't be talking about Sarah Foley because she'd be playing abroad like because she is that good a player um, and for that reason it's an awful shame but look I think she'll keep pushing hard and hopefully get a bit of game time before the end of the season and if not I, I would imagine she'll push hard to be ready to hit the ground running with I would imagine a bit of a chip on her shoulder after having to sit out a full year as well so look I think we're after bringing in a new strength and conditioning coach as well which which is really positive to see and I think that will help with injury preventions um, and 
and people coming back from injuries as well. And I know I'm the first to give out about a lack of investment, but things like that are are really good. They're it's really, really important. And we have brilliant facilities in the Maradike there in, in that new gym. Now, I obviously am not an elite athlete, so I haven't been in it, but I have run past it and it looks very, very impressive. Um, and like if we have an SNC there who's willing to do out like programs and stuff like that for the girls, then I think as players, like this is the difference between being a good player and being a great player, like kicking on with these things that are being made available to you and using them and grabbing them with both hands. And I think we have some players who will, maybe others who might be a bit more reluctant to do it, but someone like Zara is going to grab that with both hands. And as I said, I think whenever we do see her back, will will be a really, really good day for this club, I think, because as I said, she's an outstanding player. Yeah. And obviously everybody wishes Zara very best with uh, her injury recovery. The other player who popped into mind was Laura Shine. Laura was in the squad all, all season, went and done her leave in certain, hasn't been seen since as such. Do we know what the situation is there? Um, yeah, she's the second best striker to come out of Blarney United after myself. She um, <laughs> took a break for her leave in cert and I believe she is back in training now. So, um, like, she, again, she had a really tough time post-COVID and stuff like that. And I think probably maybe maybe she might have come back a little bit too soon and um, took a small bit of a break after the leave insert. So I know she has been back in training the last couple of weeks. So um, again, I would expect to see her again in the coming weeks. And look, Laura is probably going to get a bit of a land when she comes back in as well, because um, since she has left, obviously, um, Fianna has really kicked on and made that kind of up top spot herself. So it'll be a different, it'll kind of be a different, like Laura was nearly one of the first names in the team sheet and that's not going to be the case when she comes in. So um, it'll be kind of it'll be new for her as well. Um, so, but again, like competition is what we need. The competition is what we want. I think someone like Fianna pushes Laura on, someone like Laura pushes Fianna on, Heidi's there as well. She pushes them both on and that's what we need. Like, and I, I I, I would hope that she'll be back full-time with the squad anyway um, in the next week or two. Oh, that's good. Good news. I was worrying over nothing, so. Speaking of Fianna Bradley, that's a nice segue into Saturday's 5-0 win against Terry Noor. Honestly, did anybody laugh at any stage? I, I did know. all the yeah. whole entire game. I was delighted. Now the stream dropped. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was that was going to be the thing, and and the thing about the stream dropping is streams can drop in that. But again, what annoyed Decky, maybe annoy nobody else. There's no official word from anywhere from any of the League of Ireland accounts, the LOI Women's account, the LOI General account. Nothing saying, look, there's an issue with the stream. We were working hard to get it back, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And they just kind of left us hanging, and, and we missed half an hour of the game. And as I said you're a service provider, you're providing the service. If the service goes down, you should let your customers know what's going on. In the meantime, while the stream was down, we were going from 2-0 up to 5-0 up. A comprehensive victory, John. A move to 4-4-2, which I think maybe surprised a few of us when we saw the team announced. We just kind of presumed Fianna might be playing from the left again. And then as you looked at it, you kind of go, no, it has to be 4-4-2 because they're short one in midfield if they're going for five. So, um, change of strategy, change of formation, and a change of results. Um, a very professional and effective performance and really made Terry Neuer look a level or two below us, didn't we? Yeah, I think so. It's a bit like Eileen said, though, last week, you 
it's one of those that if you don't win comprehensively, you're probably going to get slated and you don't get a huge amount of credit if you do win. But I thought we were excellent. And it, but again, it, it, it's hard to judge how effective, you know, what the 4 4 2 would be against different teams. But uh, last weekend, I thought, like, ran the show. I think I'm delighted Coda got me getting a clean sheet as well in goals, you know, but it was a really professional performance. No messing, just saw it out. Um, really relentless pressure and um, could have been three or four up at half time. I know Danny in the post match comments uh, with the WNL show said that um, it could have been eight nil in the second half, but we'd have to take his word in that extreme situation. But um, no, very, very good. And yeah, really, really sharp as well. Eileen, as John said, we were only one up at half time. Was there any fear going in at half time that it was only one after being so dominant? No, like there was no fear for one second of that game. Like they did not lay a glove on us. They were they were terrible. Like I'm going to just, I'm not being disrespectful. They were terrible. Like for a side who came out and gave it like the big I am before the game, like they then just sat back and let us play. Like they, like Clodagh was like a sweeper. Like a couple of times she was up yeah. in the halfway line. Like she'd never play a game like that again in her life. Like she must think, Jesus, this senior football is great crack altogether. Like, she was incredible. She was like a sweeper and like Kira Mack was using her as a sweeper as well. It was it was a joy to watch. Like, but um I was I was really shocked at how poor they were. Um A because I said they had such a comprehensive win in, in the Intermediate Cup or the Amateur Cup, whatever it's called now. Um but no, I'd like we were comfortable. Like I think what was strange for us is we're not used to having that much of the ball. We're not used to having the ball and having to go and dictate it and make things happen and I think like Ellie and Eva, like they genuinely like didn't know, like, should we round seven players and then go back around them again? And they were nearly trying to be too perfect at times. Um, but like, I, I thought we were excellent. We really, really were. They were so professional and it's very easy to go into that game and just take it for granted. But they didn't. They put the heads down and I, I, I know they're not going to say it and Danny's not going to say it, but the reaction to the draw pissed them off like it did and the performance very much showed that it pissed them off but it's about look John said it there like you can't we can't be judged against Heron Yor because there is levels and again we can't say because I only saw the highlights of the second half but I would think our fitness probably killed them in the set in like that's why we were like the goals like we we're only waltzing through them really for for the second for the third the fourth and the fifth goal like and I felt for Fianna because if that isn't an OG like she's on a hat trick and I'd say she was absolutely sickened um but no look if you look at the amateur not amateur but intermediate sides like they were all really, really well beaten. And that's the second year in a row now. Um, you can see like there is a huge, huge gap between National League level as much as like local players can be very, very guilty of kind of maybe turning their nose up at National League or turning their nose up at Cork City at times because results aren't on their side. There's levels like and our girls showed how good they are at the weekend and it's about taking that and, and pushing on although I know the task is a lot more difficult this weekend um, coming but look we're in the hat and that's all you want to be and I think yeah good all around and look to push on again now against Rovers Shamrock sorry yeah and look you've, sp- you've spoken about Fianna we don't want to you know highlight certain players but I mean Eva was brilliant in the centre of midfield because they gave her all the space in the world to play. Cloda as a goalkeeper who didn't really have a save to make. But, you know, John's already spoken about her playing the way she did. Her use of the ball was exceptional. Her feet, you know, a real modern keeper who were very good with their feet. 
something that she probably didn't get to show against Galway, but my God, she can pick a pass. You know, she was, as you say, like a sweeper, knocking lovely balls into midfield. Fianna gets two. The touch for her second as it's dropping out of the sky to just kill it stone dead. I mean, it's it's off the scale, John, isn't it? Oh, it's unreal. Uh, it, it was like... Yeah, yeah, look, she's she's got an unbelievable touch, um, but that was just it was poetry in motion to use a terrible cliche. Like she and, and then just look, she she looks so comfortable in when the ball's which is going one through one and one, you know, she's just she's a special player. You don't like I mean she's still so young and you don't think hide and you know, huge products on her too young, but she's she's very, very special. Yeah, the thing the thing for me about the second goal, obviously the touch and the keeper saves the first shot and you know she think you think she's going to knock it in straight away and she doesn't she takes a touch and takes the keeper out of the game but i don't know if anybody noticed that she finishes it to the roof of the net the second time around and she looks and she deliberately puts it there so that the center back can't get near it you know if they do throw or throw themselves at her one and it's it's the small things that that just separate good players from very, very good players. And as I said, it's just the way she looks up and she thumps it in under the top of the crossbar where no centre-back can get it, get get anywhere near it, you know. And it's the small things like that that really make the difference. Eileen, I know you've touched on it already, but, like, there was no real cup shocks. I mean, is that loan against Galway? That's not really a shock. Is it DLR beating Wexford? Not really a shock. As you said, none of the non-league sides put up any kind of genuine fight at all did it um no i, th- I think um no they didn't like um like i suppose you could call dlr and wexford a shock but like the way the league has went this year and uh, wexford have had an absolute nightmare like ever since i said they were going to win the league i'd say they barely won a game but um <laughs> <laughs> sorry about that wexford um but like I don't think Athlone beating Galway is a shock as such. It's just um, you would have thought, like I said, Galway were very good against us. They were on the back of that um, that that big result um, in the All Ireland Cup. That like they would have definitely had their eyes on the FAI Cup, and like you could see, they were absolutely got it last night. But like Kieran Kildoff is obviously in in Athlone, and like Kieran's a very very good manager, and he's he's only new to the women's game. But like I think what was really incredibly astute by him was was bringing Ken Kiernan in from Shelburne under 17s because Ken's brilliant he's an absolutely outstanding coach and I know Shelburne were going mad to lose him so like Athlone are, are going to be ones to look at over the coming season if they keep together because you'll see a little bit like you do a treaty where like Albin has been able to pull down some of like the P-Mount players that he had played with underage you'll see Ken doing that with Shelburne players now I think um, to get them for like they'll be getting first team football more than they would at P Mount or Shelburne and like again like Treaty ran Treaty were so unlucky to to not knock P Mount out like they'll they'll be really got it like I suppose that would have really been the big big shock I think the way the league has went we've seen any side is capable in this league on their day of beating another side and that's why for me like the cup is is great and it's a few years ago you always knew who the last four realistically were kind of going to be more often than not unless they all ended up in the one side of the draw but it doesn't matter now because it said on, on any given day, I do think like any side is capable of beating any other side. So yeah, like the amateur sides or intermediate sides, it, it's unfortunate for them. But as you said, it's it's levels and it's good for me as a supporter and a fan of, of both local football and, and National League football to see that our National League has kicked on this level. 
um, because a couple of years ago it, it wasn't unusual to see the better intermediate sides putting up to the National League sides and knocking them out as well. So um, for me, it's brilliant that our National League has kicked on to way beyond local football because that's that's what our National League should be. Like it should be that few levels above, I think. Yeah, I guess and John touched on this on Twitter. One of the things that came out about the stream dropping in the Cork City game was that I ended up watching nearly an hour of the 3D Piedmont game between the extra time and what was left in 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 the normal time but it's when I went over to it. Very enjoyable game. Cato Donovan had, you know, an assist the assister in for the opening goal. Aoife Cronin made the assist, then got one, obviously former Cork City. And like I think 3D were they were unlucky. I mean they really held they really, really confined Piedmont and you know, you have your Aaron McLaughlin's and your Save Doyles and the rest of it. They were all on the pitch and they got one chance an extra time and they took it. And I guess that was the difference. But look, Treaty can hold their head high. And I mean, obviously, we're going to compare ourselves to Treaty a lot, I think, for the rest of the season and what happens in the off season and that. But like, controversial question for you, John. But like, at the moment in time, are Treaty further down the road than we are in general? <laughs> Uh, oh, good question. I don't know, to be honest. Um, I think I think Dave Albinson very, very good job with the team he has. Um, I think we probably have better players than than they do. Player per player, I, I think we're a far better squad. It'd be interesting to see, you know, the last few games in the league. But, she, but I think he's made a few like Kit Case um, and Eva Cronin both joined in. The, in the, the the last window and like Eileen said you know before I think it was last week they're they're bringing in you know players and and, and they've been cute enough compared to us in in the transfer window um so I think I think they've they've been very good to fill little gaps that they know they needed filling I think Kate's a massive addition to them in midfield and she showed that already look they're they're they're, they're putting it up to us I think you know like no one wants to be bottom uh, but I think we'd be chasing Psycho rather than them at this stage if we want to avoid that. As I said, I watched the game and I just like I hate naming players, but they had a girl in centre back who only came in and started for the first time in the All Ireland Cup because I went away and I looked afterwards and as held her playing um Sarah Duke Power. Absolutely outstanding, I thought yesterday, you know. And Danny, if you're listening, Sarah Duke Power. Okay. Um Alvin will kill us now as well. But anyway, look, that's not that's not my issue. Um okay, so the big question is who do we want in the quarterfinals? John. Uh DLR at home. Straightforward. Eileen. Anyone at home? You don't but seriously, you don't want to play Shelburne at home. You don't want to play Shamrock Rovers. I do. Not at this stage, do you? Okay. Yeah. To yeah. beat Yeah. I do. I don't care. Once we're at home, big crowd, I'm going to abuse the life out of the referee and the opposition and I'm going to be like a 12th man in the <laughs> in the stand. No, obviously, ideally you want DLR or, or Sligo at home. Of course you do. Sligo. But um, yeah. a, a home draw really is, is the one, I think. Yeah, I was going to say DLR or Sligo as well. Is there any fear that if we do get DLR that they come down with a bit of chip in their shoulder following the All-Ireland Cup defeat and the rest of it? No. no, I wouldn't be worried. Well, I mean, look, they're, they're decent Doesn't players, worry. but that wouldn't worry about me. I think we've shown now twice, even though they beat us in the league, I think we've shown twice in the last two games we're probably a better side than them at the moment. Um, so, yeah, I'd be quite happy to see Taylor at all. And, like, I think if you ask them, like, 
they're going to want to play Cork City as well. Like I think John, you had tweeted that about the men's cup draw last week as well, like that we want these teams, but they want us as well. Like, so <laughs> I don't think we're insulting them by saying we want them. So, yeah, I, pres- I presume every team wants us and then yeah. they'd take us away if, if push came to shove, to be honest. Right, guys, we're going to end it there for part one. Have a listen to the brilliant ad about the sponsors that I forgot to mention at the start. NordVPN, our big sponsor for the month. So when you get through that, we'll be back in the second half where we'll have a look forward to Shamrock Rovers and maybe touching the mailbag. See you then. This podcast is sponsored by NordVPN. So listen up to the ad and hear what it's all about and get our offer for you. So what is a VPN? Here's the nerd porn. A VPN connection establishes a secure connection between you and the internet. Via the VPN, all your data traffic is routed through an encrypted virtual tunnel. This disguises your IP address when you use the internet, making its location invisible to everyone. Now the geeks have just blown their load. Here's for the normal person. So basically you can browse the net safely. Is that all I hear you ask? Absolutely not. If you think the government is watching you, then fear no more tinfoil hat man. They can't. With NordVPN, what else? Every wanted to watch BBC Player. Or something that's not available in your location. With NordVPN, you can watch all the stuff that you want in any location. Netflix across the world is available so you can access the latest episode of that Mexican soap opera that you've always wanted save money. Other countries can get stuff way cheaper. So jussy pop yourself in a different location and watch the bank balance, thank you. And of course, enjoy you time, you dirty man. Grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash totap to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan, plus four additional months for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Welcome back to part two. Of Last Damas, this weekend, City Face, Shamrock Rovers, Turner's Cross, the haves against the have-nots, those with money against those with absolutely nothing. Like, is there any way, any way we can put it up to them, Eileen? Well, as you know by now, I always think we're going to win. So I still think we're going to win, Decky. But, like, I think the first half in Tala... Um, showed that we can put it up to them. Um, I, I don't see any reason why we can't. Obviously, the second half went disastrously wrong, but I'm going to forget about that and just think about the first half. Look, it's about going out and it's about being compact at the back and, and, and frustrating them. And I think what you have to bear in mind with Shamrock now at the at the moment is like they're chasing a league, but it's like they need an awful lot around them to go right as well as them being flawless for the running. And I'm not sure if, if they're there. Um, look, we saw another transfer window where uh, already stack squad went and pillaged a couple of other squads for their starters because, you know, you can never have a strong enough bench. So, like, that's what you're up against and that's what we're going to see for the next couple of years. And while I think P-Mount will probably want to win win this league, my fear with Shamrock is that, like, you're going to have, like, what a situation we saw in Glasgow for a long time with, like, Glasgow City were kind of essentially semi-professional when no one else was and... It, it's it will be disappointing because I think our league this season in particular is just so as I said anyone could beat anyone and it might take that away from it which, which would be disappointing when I think there are going to be more eyes on it especially post World Cup and things like that but as I said I think if you're Cork City and you're Danny Murphy 
the video you're going to be showing this week is, is the first half up there in Tala because if you recall it, like we should have been two up. We had two really, really good chances. I think Jess Hennessy had made one good clearance and did Amanda make a very, very good save as well. So look, they're there for the taking, but it's about going out and being brave and being disciplined and not letting the heads drop when, when one or two things go wrong because against a side as good as that and, and make no bones about it as much as I'd give out about them, they're an exceptional side full of like quite literally laced a squad of 57 top class players. Like you have to go out and be disciplined. Um, so as I said, we are going to win. But yeah, it's about being disciplined and, and as I said, learning from if we concede a goal to not let the heads drop and just sit back in and do what, what was working for us again. Speaking of 57 top class players, nobody knows this, but I was actually invited to join Collie O'Neill on a scouting mission earlier this year where he was at the Piemont Shelburne game. It was kind of a fly in the wall documentary type effort. And this is some of the audio I caught from Collie during that Shelburne Piemont game. I'll take one of those, one of those, uh, a couple of those, and I better take them all. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so just a little insight into the Shamrock Rovers transfer strategy there that you referenced, Eileen. Um, on the back of all that, and I was going to leave this to later on, but it kind of works well here now. Question, John, we're going to start with you, unfortunately, because Eileen answered the last question. If Shams don't win the league, has there been season been an outright failure no matter what else they do <laughs> um the men are women i <laughs> know <laughs> we're talking about the women yeah we're talking about the women uh no no i don't think so i i i, I think while they probably would have fancied themselves to win the league i think the first first season out um even with all the riches they've amassed like I don't think anyone really. I look. I, I was like Eileen, and she mentioned earlier on the pod. I I would have tipped Wexford at the start of the season when they signed back uh, Rihanna Jars and got Emily Corbett in. Um, so I don't know if anyone was really picking them to win the league this year. But I think if they didn't do, if they don't do it next year, you know, then it could possibly been have you know an awful lot of money spent for a very little return. Um, but uh, no, I, I I don't think first first time out they'll be too worried about you know finishing third or fourth where they end up. When you come into a league and you come in with the noise that they made coming in, and they did make noise, let's call it a spade a spade, and they went and they raided Piemont and they went and they raided Shelburne and they, you know, did X, Y, and Z. If they were to finish behind those two clubs, to me, it can't be considered anything but failure, Eileen. You know, I don't know what your view on it is, but I would be very, very strong on it that if they don't win the league, it's 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 a failure of a season considering what they've spent and the way they've gone about things. No, look, I mean, first of all, they're the saviours of our game and like, like if they were treated with the respect they deserve. Hallelujah. Exactly. <laughs> aside from that, um, no, look, again, I if you asked me at the start of the season, like I would have had them fourth because like I would have thought like the fact that Wexford, Piedmont, Shelburne, they're all sides that are together years and it's not that they're together and they're very successful for years. And I don't think no matter with the best will in the world, you can come in and, and load a team like, like Shamrock Rovers have done. Um, but you t- take time to gel. Now, I will also say for Shamrock Rovers is they've gelled an awful lot quicker than what I thought they would. Um, I think they've been excellent really really good and they've looked really good as a side and not just as individuals like they've played some brilliant football and I think to their credit what's probably come through is 
like some of their best players are their underage players. Like Jamie Thompson has probably been their standout player for me. And and she's a product of, of the last few years of their own academy. Now, I know she, she would have been a P-mount younger than that. But um, as I said, in the underage national leagues, that's where she's been playing. Um, but like for me, it's probably not a failure. Again, if they don't win it next year when they're pumping the money in, I, I would. But yeah, like I as I said, I, I could have seen the other three finishing above them for the simple fact that they've been there, they've done it. And not only that, but they were pissed off about the way Shamrock Rovers went around and acted like the league hasn't existed since they decided to pack it in a couple of years ago. That pissed off people at Shelburne, people at Peamount, people at Wexford that have put in the hard yards in this league, that have built this league over the last few years. And and that is the reality. I know Shamrock Rovers were there at the start, but they pissed off like they left because they didn't want to put the money in. So it's grand to come back now and say, look at us, aren't we great? We're pumping money in. But like there's players, there's management, there's volunteers at clubs who've been here for years and years and years when nobody gave a shite about this league, showing up week in, week out and building it. So I I, I think that's why everybody want, like I don't think P-Mount have ever had as many people supporting them as they do this year because you'd like to see someone like Karen Duggan who turned down Shamrock Rovers to stay with P-Mount to lift. I'd, I'd love to see her be lifting the trophy at the end. Cause I think that that's a win for Irish football and it's a win for this league over the last few years, I think. Absolutely. Just the unfortunate thing for me is they don't do P-Mount jerseys in my size. Other than that, I'd have one at all at this <laughs> stage, you know? Um, so if we, if, if we flip it ever so slightly, so do we therefore accept and I think this will be the narrative that ends up being put out there from Shamrock Rovers. That the narrative will be, okay, we haven't won the league, but we made Shelburne better. We made Piedmont better. We made the league better. I mean, is that a narrative that we're willing to accept come the end of the season if it, if it is what comes around, John? No. <laughs> very, very briefly, no. Um, they, I, 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 think, I think other clubs have, you know, have looked at, you know, they've replaced the players that they lost, you know, quite well, but Rovers, Rovers have been really good, um, but I, I've been writing, Jamie Thompson's their best player and she's come through their academy, I remember her playing against City, the under-17, Cup final a few years ago, and she's excellent, and she has been for a number of years, but no, Rover, I, look, I, 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 I'm sure they'll be able to spin it some way that they're, you know, that this great experiment has changed the game forever, but um, it's it's just it's it's not that they've had to spend a huge amount of money. It's just that not many other people are spending money the way they are. Uh, yeah, but I think like I do need to shout been over um, Sean McGovern's when I was just saying something. <laughs> Eileen, we know how you're a big fan of sing songs on buses and all those kind of things. So we actually got some audio from a Shamrock Rovers away trip. Not so long ago, and this was the sing song on the bus going home. And you can see there how, you know, how they're not afraid to spend and, and to keep the girls happy, they actually have a full band on the bus on the way home to, to back the the girls, you know. But um, that, to be fair to them, there's a, there's a couple of good crooners there. They, you know, they should nearly have a go off Eurovision or something if they're that good. 
because it's going to be the only way to get into Europe next season. Oh, um, <laughs> so, right, back to the game. 4-4-2 again, or do we have to go more defensive um, and, and be a little bit more solid than, than we were last Saturday? I think he's going to go 4-4-2 again. Um, and take the game to them. Yeah, I don't know why else he would have played it um, other than with, with this week in mind. So I would maybe with, like, I think whatever happens with us going forward, we said it last week that it, it was an error in Galway to play her out wide. And I think the most important thing with us going forward in the next couple of weeks is that Fianna is our centre forward. Whatever else happens around that, I think that's really, really important because she gets goals, she makes things happen and that's something we've badly, badly lacked for a very long time. Um, defensively, we look an awful lot more solid um, than we previously had, I think, since Kira Mack has come back in. Um, I just would wonder about maybe like Christina Dring and Daniel Burke. Um, they offer a little bit of strength, a little bit of experience against Shamrock Rovers. But at the same time, we were so good. Would it be very, very harsh to pull anybody out um, from from last Saturday, despite the fact that we are playing a substantially better team? I, I think it might be very, very harsh to drop anybody on, on the back of the performance last week. But obviously, I know Kira Senna is out and there'll be a keeper change. Um, so I don't know, does he, I'm, I'm not sure what they'll do with that. Will, will Danielle come in or will they maybe even pull it to a five in midfield possibly um, and pull Christine in? I'm, I'm not 100% sure, but I, I, I do think playing 4-4-2 indicates to me that that's maybe something they want to do going forward. John, is there any merit in just saying, uh, use my phrase, it's a free hit? Let's just go have a go off them, and if if we lose five or six, then kind of so be it. We're, we're willing to die on our own belief that we want to take the game to them and and try and cause them as many issues and problems as we possibly can. Or does a heavy defeat do too much damage to the team, to Danny, and to the club to risk that? Um, I think I think Danny probably would be a little bit cautious. I I. Par- um, because you don't want you to, we've actually been on quite a good run. I think got you know with the other island league and everything. Um, I do think it probably will be quite a big crowd given the potential for Abby Lark and Nanya Obama to be playing and you know a couple of World Cup stars and Shamrock Rovers do have a name, look like it or not. Um, I, I, I do think I agree with Eileen. I think you played a four four two because I don't see like Eileen said. I don't see why you would have. Gone to, you know, play that system entirely, or unless you were using it as a trial for the Rovers game. So I do think they've been intentional to have a little bit, bit of a cut off them, which to be fair, we did in Tala. Um, we we the first half, like it wasn't like that nil nil at halftime in Tala. We weren't sitting back. We created chances. We had a go off them when the, when when it up, you know, the opportunities arose. I don't know if we'd go all out gung ho. I do think a heavy defeat probably hurt us. But I don't think there's a heavy defeat against Rovers in this team regardless. I think we've kind of, I think we we are more solid than we were earlier in the season. Um, but um, no, but I'd be, no, I think, I think what front and let Fianna run wild at Jess, or Jess Hennessy go for it. 
Eileen, John mentioned Arnie O'Gorman, um, who obviously retired from international football during the week, and Abby Larkin as, you know, the, obviously the two superstars, the two names that everybody wants to go and see. Will Abby Larkin actually play? Because I think she's been heavily linked to with a move to England and a move to Bristol City. And is there a chance that Big Crowd shows up to see Abby Larkin and she's not actually there to play? Um, yeah, look, she's been, I think she's trained um, with Bristol City, um, whether or not she goes there, I, I'm not sure. The fact that she played at the weekend might indicate that the move isn't that close. I'm not 100% sure the situation with Shamrock Rovers, where obviously they're all on money. What kind of contracts are they on contracts? Are they on expenses? I, I'm not too sure. Would it be a case of is she contracted till November? So Shamrock Rovers will, will hold on turtle then? I, I'm not that sure. Um so, like, for argument's sake, like, Tara O'Hanlon's been linked with, with the move. She's trained at Manchester United, and we haven't really seen her with P-Mount um, post-break. So, you would think, like, that move is closer than Abby Larkin's. But, look, football moves very, very quick. And I don't think I, I don't think there's a fear of that. I think Anya Gorman has been a draw, as long as I can remember, in football. Um, I remember going out to Bishopstown when she was playing with UCD Waves and there was a young kid sitting in front and she'd come up just to see Anya O'Gorman. Like that's going back probably eight or nine years because um, I remember talking to a journalist after the game and saying like, I, I can't wait till we get to a day where like Cork City, it's they're coming out to see the Cork City players and look, thankfully that has happened now. But I think you have to kind of ride the wave of, of Abby Larkin and Anya O'Gorman going to the World Cup now. Um, I know Cork City won't want to do that. I understand, but it's about, um, it's about, getting people into the cross and in terms of women's sports at the same time on Saturday, um, Munster are playing Leinster in, in kind of the interprovincial decider as well in Musgrave Park just over the road. So you have that little bit of competition that that would be something maybe we wouldn't be used to where people that would kind of be supporters of, of, of women's sport will have a decision to make. And I think we should be using the fact that there's two people that were at the World Cup there. And I think John said it last week, like if, if someone goes in because they want to see Abby Larkin, but suddenly they're in there and they see Eva Mangan or they see Jesse Mendes or Kira McNamara or Fianna Bradley and they say, well, these girls are playing for Cork and I want to come and see them every week, then then job done. That's job done. Like if, if you get three or four of those people who want to come back every week. So yeah, I think the Abby Larkin thing will be interesting. I think she had a really, really good World Cup. So you would think that she's going to make a move. But at what point and what kind of contract does she have? Will we finally see a club be compensated for a player here? I don't know. It's all kind of a new world. That's what I was just going to ask you guys. Do either of you, and John, maybe, can Piemont expect a fee for Tara O'Hanlon? Could Rovers expect a fee for Abby Larkin? I know everything is contract related, but there doesn't seem to be fees changing hands for for women players much I know there is in England but outside of that my expectation would just be that I, I don't think either gets a fee which is probably not fair I mean Tara O'Hanlon leaving P-Mount does a huge amount of damage to P-Mount in terms of the strength of their squad and the rest of it and surely they deserve to be compensated for the time and development that, they, that they've done with Tara yeah, I, I, I may be wrong in this now, so open correction, but I don't actually believe that there's the same formal transfer compensation, training compensation structure for women's footballers there is for men's. No, there isn't. Yeah, no. yeah. so then you're you really, when my experience on the men's side would be that if a club doesn't have to pay a fee, they won't. 
and whether it's nice or not, there probably isn't a huge amount of money around the English game at, for some of the clubs. I, I don't really, even though I wouldn't be, I wouldn't like it if Eva Mannion was to go and of course she never got compensated or something like that. I, I, I don't see Irish clubs being compensated for players in the short term, especially with the contract situation here. Lots of, lots of them are still on expenses and stuff like that. So you, you're still kind of looking at that old thing we used to have in the, the 90s and the early 2000s is, uh, sure, why would you stand in their way? That that kind of attitude, I think. I, I don't really see money changing hands for players as sad as it is at the moment. Yeah, I guess it's a pity, but as you say, there's just not the same system in place. I believe there is a plan yeah. to introduce it and put it in place, but it's going to take um, three or four years to, to see it fully brought in and executionable. So, like, I mean, is it another indication, Eileen, that in terms of organisation and all those things that the women's game still severely lacks behind the men's game? Uh, yeah, it does without a shadow of a doubt. Like, and like I suppose Shelburne are probably the prime example. Like they've been absolutely <laughs> pillaged in the last few years, like yeah. window after window, there was three or four players going. Now look, in turn, they had pillaged some of those players from other clubs. So um, the wheel is always turning, I suppose. But yeah, there's very much, I think John hit the nail on the head there. Like, if someone comes in for, for Eva, for argument's sake, she's contracted because we decide we're going to contract a couple of players. Like, you're not going to stand in her way. You're not going to hold her back from going to play professional football. And that's it. It's it's going from you're stopping someone going playing professional football. to, to So then it's just not going to happen. Clubs aren't going to do it because if a club does it, players won't go, players won't play there. Like, but I think it's, I suppose Shamrock Rovers is, going to be the first time we see like are, are these players contracted we know they're all on, on on fairly decent money especially in compared in comparison to other clubs while there is other clubs getting paying players just what kind of contracts they're on and I think we'll see now if Abby Larkin goes in this window or if she goes in in December when her contract would be up it'll probably tell an awful lot so from what you're saying, I, I presume so that all those players that Rover signed, they only signed them on 12-year contracts. It doesn't appear that they've, you know, that Abby Larkin or Anya Gorman or any of the other girls they brought in from Piedmont or Shelburne were given 24 or 36-month no, contracts. No multi-year contracts, I'd say, in the Women's National League yet. Okay, that's strange. Okay, so look, we'll get back to the game because we've kind of gotten off subject again. Predictions, Eileen? Go on. What are we, how two many are we going to win by? Two, two only 2 city. one is it? Okay. Yeah. Okay. John? Jesse Mendes and Kira McNamara, two headers. From two corners. Yeah, and Anya Garman score for them. She always scores against us. Okay. Okay. John? Um, yeah, I go one little city. <laughs> Why not? I th- I actually one try to only guess off credit is uh, at the moment is Sean McCarthy. I think Sean McCarthy do a job on your Gorman that we haven't seen City for a while. I think she's she'll stand up for a little bit more. Yeah, she has been very good left back, hasn't she? And she um went back there. I know she often play, you know left side of midfield and that, but she has been very very good. I remember saying in the game I did in three D in the code commentary that she just had that left hand side locked down. Didn't even have to worry about it 70 minutes into the game. You know, you could worry about what, what issues might be developing elsewhere, but she had that left side locked down. See, you're putting it all back on me now because I'm going to have to be the bad guy now again, like, aren't I? You know? Miserable. Um, Miserable. Yeah. Like, no, like, I, yeah, I'd love to, I'd love to think we could. 
like I do think there's a big result in this team somewhere along the line and is there any chance Eileen that that Rovers are going to come down with a not a bad attitude you know but they're just you know maybe a bit lackadaisical you know errors show up and we'll win type stuff I I think that's how they approached the first half in Tala and I think they got a bit of a land so I, I would think they'll be a little bit more professional than they were the first half in Tala I think they thought they just had to show up and I, I, I can't see that happening again Okay with that in mind so and the fact that you don't think Rovers are going to come down that they're going to be on their game coming down I'm going to have to I'm going to have to say 4-1 City I just I, you know um, <laughs> if Rovers are going to be at it I could really see us getting four, to be honest, you know. Um, so, look, Hatchik for Fianna, obviously, goes without saying. And um, I think you're right. I think Jesse Mendes with a thunderbolt. Not a header. I think she'll catch one on the volley from the penalty spot. From a corner, boom, top corner. Amanda Budden won't even see it pass her. She won't, she won't even turn around. Just like holding the net. Down to St. Anne's Road. Actually, if she catches it right through the net and the ball breaks the scoreboard at the back of the... Um, the back of the same dance and Jesse Jesse gets fined by the club for the price of the for the price of the scoreboard um, look we'll do we'll do we'll do a whip around for her we'll look after it Jess you break the scoreboard via the break in the net we'll pay for it don't worry right that's about it I know I did say mailbag but there's actually on the back of a 5-0 win there's nothing in the mailbag everyone happy where's sunshine and lollipops <laughs> Yeah, ah, oh, sunshine and lollipops. Hang on, do I have sunshine and lollipops? Do I? Oh, I don't. I'd say you definitely don't. I no, it's um. Hang on, no, no, that's on Damien's. And uh, honestly, system. I'd be afraid of what you could play there, so don't. Yeah, I could have a look through these and see what's here. There's a laughing. Yeah, okay, no, I leave them off. Um. Yeah, no sunshine and lollipops and for and if I, if you said it to me before we came on, I could have organised it. But anyway, so look, there's definitely a correlation between the number of DMs and questions we get asked and the result of the week before. So hopefully the mailbag is empty again next week, on the back of a four-one victory over Shams. Any last words, Eileen, before we leave the toe tappers go? No, but it's our first home game now in ages, so just get out and support. It's always a great day out. You can listen to Decky roaring abuse at the linesman. Maybe I might do the same. Um, I don't know. I think John kind of behaves at matches. Um, but no, just get out and support them because it said um, it's always a good occasion. Standard of football is really, really good. So do get out and support them and see those World Cup heroes. <laughs> we can we can invite John now to sit in the toe tap seats. At the back of the Donny Ford on Saturday, Eileen, you know, so we can corrupt him. He won't be well behaved at matches for long. Will you come and join uh, us, John? Will you come and sit in the toe tap seats at the back will, of the Donny Ford? I will, sure, why not? Yeah, I, 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 um, I think I've scared some my own kids sometimes now in our women's matches. Um, it's great you're on first in terms with the uh, with the board officials and stuff. I think the. <laughs> On that note, so we say goodbye. Thanks for listening, Toe Tappers, and hopefully we'll be back next week again. All smiles. And if we beat Sarmac Rovers, I promise I will open with Sunshine, Lollipops, and every other happy song that has ever been 
released anywhere in the world. Adios. Adios. The Other Three Amigos podcast with Damien Sreenan, Wayne Mullins and Declan McCormack. Three lads, one podcast.